Welcome to Draw, Lose or Draw, a weekly podcast covering all things Partick Thistle. Joining me this week to look back on our 0-0 home draw with Dunfermline and ahead to a couple of championship fixtures are David Forrest. David, hello. Are you well? Hello. Yeah, I'm doing all right. Um, It was nice seeing all the festivities uh, for the 1971 celebrations over the last day or two. It would have been nice if we'd actually got a win, but you know, you can't get everything, I suppose. No, you, you cannot. And astonishingly joining us after several people cited hangovers as to why they could not appear on today's episode, this man is not one of them. It's Mark Wallace. Mark, how are you? I'm great, although I did partake in the Woodside Inn's uh, midweek offer of half-price lager, so it was, a, it, was a, it was a close call. I was going to say, with pints under £2 for the last, for three of the last four days, it, it's astonishing you're still with us, so... So well I thought it was going. I thought was they going to make it on Thursday. I'm not going to lie. No, Mark. Mark, I'll come to you first. You've not been on in a few weeks. Um, it's the same starting eleven. Mark, I'll stick with you because you've not been with us in a few weeks. As always, we'll just have a look at the starting eleven, the starting eleven, and the substitutes with the the same as defeated Hamilton the previous week. So, what were your thoughts on that? Were you quite happy with the team McCall named yesterday? Yeah, I can't. I couldn't see any reason why you should change it at all. Really, like. We played really well, uh, particularly uh, the second half we were outstanding. I didn't see any really need to change it out. You could maybe have put a bit of scope for Murray, maybe. Cammy Smith can be there or thereabouts, but Conor Murray had a really good wee Cammy. I wouldn't have been too mad if he'd got a start, but nah, I can't really complain about the starting 11 and the bench being the same, really. You want, you want that continuity, really, especially when you're at home to a side who, aren't, who are struggling, um, like, like Hamilton were last week and then Femlin this week. It's just a bit... You want that consistency, really, because, as we've seen so often in this division, it can be very cutthroat. Like, anyone can beat anybody, and if there's... Anywhere where we where you can have a bit of stability, you be up at the right end of the league. Then you need to have that. No, I agree with you. We talk about momentum every week, and I think if you start chopping and changing a side that scored six goals away from home, you're really opening yourself up to criticism if anything goes wrong. So I don't think any of us will have any complaints about the team McCall named yesterday. But David, I'll come to you. What did you make of the performance yesterday? We were playing a Dunfermline side who. Seemed to tighten up in recent weeks without doing anything outstanding. It, it was quite a defensive performance, I thought, from Dunfermline yesterday. But what did you think of, of Thistle's contribution to the game? Yeah, no, I I, I would agree with um, your assessment of Dunfermline being a, a very defensive team. They very much looked set up to not lose, basically, and you know, try and nick a win if they can. We, we, did, we did see we had quite a lot of 
quite a lot of creativity going forward up until the end product, getting into the box and getting somebody on the end of balls. I actually thought one of my main people yesterday actually quite enjoyed Ricky Forster yesterday. I actually thought he'd done quite well and he was, he was pinging balls in that in the first half when he was shooting towards the Northy that I thought he was doing really, uh, doing really, really well. Um, again, it was just down to the end product. It's, it's weird. We have like two like proven goal scorers there, but it was just a case of getting somebody in the end of a ball to get it in, and we came really close with a ball from Foster. I believe it, it was Graham and the goalkeeper, and it was uh, a hair's length away from you know hitting Graham and going in. I, I did feel that we did struggle against the team who had set himself up defensively not to lose. They were able to absorb a bit more pressure than I think we expected. And by like the last half hour, you kind of saw that we were out of ideas a little bit. And then when we were sticking on McIver um, and the likes and Hasty, by the end, I mean, there was people just like, oh God, that's us. We're not getting anything out of this when we were taking off like Graham. Bring on like McIver and Hasty. And yeah, I think it was, it was just one of those ones where we could have been there for about three hours and probably not got a goal. But I'd, it, it was weird of Snedden because I think Snedden bailed us out. He made a great save when it was a one-on-one uh, to bail us out. And I think he was a bit ropey in his distribution at the start. But the last 10, 15 minutes, I actually thought Snedden was quite effective in terms of trying to get balls up the park to people to try and launch attacks. I thought he had an OK game and he did, he did bail us out on, on more than one occasion, I think. Um, but overall... Not the greatest performance. I didn't think we were in too much danger of losing the game. But, you know, it would have been nice to have a win. To have, you know, Wits score 10 goals in your last two games and then go in against a team who released a statement three weeks ago going, we need to win and then have not won since. We probably should be doing better. Mark, what were your thoughts on it yesterday? I, I, I would say it was unsatisfactory. To be honest, I thought there were a lot of, not necessarily bad performances, but a lot of could-do-betters in there. I thought Holt had a particularly bad, well, not bad, but I thought Holt and Akinola had some very hairy moments defensively that really left Mayo having to just basically play out for the back by himself because there was one moment where like, Akinola completely missed his man, tried to play out for the back and let, he was lucky Snedden uh, got to the ball and Holt was getting like Holt and Akinola and Mayo were getting in each other's way. It was not a great defense. It was a competent defensive display against a team not doing very well who are low on confidence, but better teams would punish that. And if we want to be serious about finishing in the top four or even just being in and around it, uh, we need to be a lot better than we were yesterday. I thought uh, we passed up too many good chances. Foster done very well in the first half, but he was toiling a bit in the second as Dunfermline came back into it. I don't really like hanging players out to dry, really, but Jake Hasty and Ross McKeever yesterday leave a lot to be desired. If we don't, we are very much aside. If we don't score with Graham and Rudden and Tiffany on the park, we're fucked. How just how desperate and exasperated everything was when they were on, when uh, McIver and and Hasty came on, as we try to get something and like the best chance uh, in the second half I think we had was that uh, effort from Doc, 
and like that that says a lot when you consider that your sitting midfielder had the best chance. I'll come back to you on the on the individual subs because I, I want to go into each one in detail because I think you could probably. I would, together, I would, I would like to assume Graham went off maybe feeling a knot and we'll obviously get two games next week so obviously maybe want to keep an eye on that that's the wishful thinking hopefully it's not bad I will come back to you on the subs because I think we're going to go into them in detail because I think you can, you can group them together as guys who are probably short on match fitness but I think there's a different case to be made for each of them I think on the performance, I think if you think back to the Air United game at home a few weeks ago, we started pretty slowly and it was a sort of strange first half hour until we scored. That game yesterday was a lot like that in the sense that I think if we got the goal, it could have turned into that Air Air at home game, but we just never got it. So it was just... They were really, really panicking. Like that, in particular, like... That the, the number thirteen for Dunfermline yesterday, Vitus Gisputis, uh, was having an absolute nightmare trying to deal with Graham and Rudden. We've been there with strikers in the past for a bit sloppy, and you might just get in at half time and maybe give them a bit of respite. And I think that was definitely the case yesterday. So like, right, fine, get in at half time. You've no conceded, and that'll give them a big boost. Yeah, no, I think I think it was like the first half hour against there, but it just we never got the goal, so the whole game was like that. David, I agree with what you said on Sned, and I thought his distribution was pretty good yesterday. He had one bad kick in the first half, which I think was more the pass back to him from Tiffany was poor on Sned and just had to deal with it anyway he could. But the save he made in the second half, I thought that was a great save. And I think it maybe shows the development of Sneddon as well, because it was probably the save he wasn't making 18 months ago. It might have went snuck under him, but he really stood up big and made the save, and he's making match-defining saves now at this at this point, which is, is really good for him and really good for us that we've got a goalkeeper that's doing that, and I'm, I'm glad to see how he's recovered from the Inverness mistake, where it obviously came in for some criticism. David, I'll bring you back in just to talk about the subs. We'll talk about whether bringing off Graham was the right thing to do yesterday, but I want to ask about Kyle Turner, because Ross Alexander's got in touch and said... Are we missing Kyle Turner's set-piece delivery? And I think obviously we are, because such a, a huge proportion of our goals in the early stages of the season came from Kyle Turner deliveries. But I think yesterday with Dunfermline sitting so deep, we probably missed him from an open play as well. And we brought on three guys who are more about their physicality and their pace than they are about unlocking defences with intricate passing. Is that maybe something we should have looked to in Kyle Turner yesterday off the bench with Dunfermline sitting so deep? No, I, I would agree with that. We um we killed Turner when we we when we had um, corners um in the first half, I did think that we we did miss Turner there. He probably could have been that little bit that you know those set pieces coming in where we probably could have scored uh, from that, especially considering the last time we played in Fermlin, two of our goals are literally from Turner set pieces. Um I, I do think we do miss a little bit with him, but again it's that thing of you can't drop people based on your previous performance to make way for them. You've done so well previously that you know there's not really any justification for wedging them in the team um, based on our previous performance. I definitely think that bringing them on maybe you know, again after the first half hour or whatever when we were toiling a little bit, certainly going into the second half and try to use that, I hoped that we would be able to do that and it, it just kind of didn't click for us. But no, I, I definitely agree that I felt that we did miss uh, some 
of the set piece magic, especially again against a team he's already done it against twice. He kind of he kind of knows the lay of the land. I know we played for him last year. I felt that he could have been a bit of an asset sort of going on in the second half, definitely. Mark, from the way the way I see the, the team at the moment, the four four two, I think at least nine, if not ten, of the positions are nailed down. And the one that's up for grabs is that right hand side of midfield that Cammy Smith's got at the moment, but Kyle Turner had. Do you think it's worth putting Kyle Turner back in there for a set piece delivery? Or would you rather we saw somebody like Smith or maybe somebody else like Murray come in who's a bit more natural out wide right? What would you prefer and what do you think benefits the uh, Turner or Murray for me. Turner or Murray. I would say you could rejig it, you could try and put Cammy in behind the striker, work something out where you could put Cammy Smith in behind the striker and do something with Rudden and Graham and Cammy Smith and try and put Turner on the right-hand side or Murray on the right-hand side, because Cammy Smith offered nothing on the right yesterday. Um, Jake Hasty offered nothing when he came on, <laughs> uh, which is not good when you're looking to change the game. Uh, Turner, for me, I think would have been the... Turner coming on for Rudden would have been a good move, and then you can move Turner to the right-hand side instead of Hasty coming on. Or Murray, or Murray just a beggar's belief. I'm hoping personally that Jake Hasty does actually go on to move the needle here, but so far it's been very, very poor. So far, I have to wonder, like, why, why did Turner not come on for him instead? To be honest, I think that would have been a much better move, especially considering we'd already put Murray on as well, so what were we doing? I, th- I think the issue for me is that we probably have, as you say, there's like nine or ten, no, but sort of probably nine positions that are already nailed down in the team, but we have a core of about seven players at like going in midfield and forward, because you've got Banzo Doc, you've got Rudd and Graham, um, and then you've got like, you've tried to wedge Turner and Cammy Smith in, but as well as that, you've got Tiffany in the left, at the point where you're like, well, where do you... You can't fit all seven of those in without going to a back three. And then at that point, that raises other issues about going to a back three and trying to, to try to wedge these players in. Because I feel like those seven players in the midfield and up front, they, they, they're the most effective players. And there is, a, there is a way for us to work with those seven players in there. But it is at the, the expense of the defence and it's a big risk to be taken. For me at the moment, with the defence improving and keeping two clean sheets in the last three league games and only conceding that one at Hamilton, I'd be reluctant to change formations at the moment for the sake of trying to fit Smith in. I think we've just got to accept that it is going to be one of Turner, Smith, Murray at the moment because I I don't think we should be messing around with formations with the former in. On Jake Hasty, I totally agree with you, Mark. I'm, I've got serious doubts, and I know this is probably going to sound wild, but I'd be tempted to just start him at Capelo on Tuesday and just say, look, you've done nothing since, since you came in. Here's your chance. Prove that you're going to be a useful player, because he's not proven it in 15, 20-minute cameos. So it's almost a case of just throwing him in and being like, you need to go and prove something. You're getting an hour, 70 minutes, whatever. Go and take it. McCall's very... He's famous for... Look, if you're not up to it, you don't. You, you're not going to get. So I would honestly say I I wouldn't be totally against that idea of saying right, you start on Tuesday 
And if you're no good, out. Simple as that. I've got two other guys that can play in that position. And you'll get you'll get Connor Murray like much maligned last season, but like whenever he's whenever he when he came in towards in the run in, there was a real hunger there, and he obviously came on at Hamilton, scored a really nice goal. Like it's abundantly clear he's got there's something about him there. I really don't want an old firm loanee who dined out on one on like six good months at Aloha three years ago. If they're not gonna move the needle for us when we're needing everyone moving in the right direction to get ourselves uh, to a place where we feel we belong or whatever. You know, I completely agree. I think the thing with Murray is you know what you're going to get from him. He's a, well, you, that's it. You don't know what you're going to get from him. He's an inconsistent winger. That's fine to have as a, a second or third choice winger, but I'm with you, Mark. Chuck Hasty in and just say, look, th- this is your chance. We've spoken about McKeever in the past. He's a, a third choice striker at best. David, are you concerned that the bench isn't offering too much? I'm I'm struggling to think of a game this season, albeit we've not had too many tight ones, where the bench has really come on and, and positively impacted the game for us. The the issue we have is that going in, like when these players were signed, I think a lot of us felt there was potential there. I mean, people like, for example, Hasty or um, like Stephen Hendry, for example, where we thought, you know what, they might not be number one in their position but as a number two there's enough there that we can kind of get out of them that whereby they can they can enhance the squad and make sure we're not dropping a level in terms of performance when you know we do need to make a sub or whatever but yeah I mean like yesterday the the kiss of death for me was um Hasty and McKeever when Reese um Haldane even even he was like oh when they brought in Hasty and McKeever I knew we were done and Reese has been Hasty McKeever's like biggest defenders here. Like he's he's backed McKeever through a lot when a lot of other people have maybe just thought, mm, no, he he's very much been at it and been always been wanting to see. I really want him to see him do well. I think he can work really well in the system. And even yesterday, even he was like, mm, nah, we're we're done. That was very worrying for me. Where even someone like Reese who has backed McKeever to the hilt was you know not 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 trusting them anymore yeah i think again like you know in terms of putting them in for cameos i think the problem is that like that game against infirmland yesterday they were again they were all they were set up not to lose they were a, a, a tough side that we needed to unlock and as you see these players are not there to unlock defenses with creative passes and stuff like that if they're playing in a team that's flying they 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 probably can offer something, but they just were not the players that we needed to unlock that that defence. And I th- it is tough because it's it's also one of those things you're going. We're having a really difficult time against this team. It's up to you to try and fix this. And it's a guy who's maybe on the fringes of the side. And even again, like putting them in against Morton at Capital and going, you've got an hour and seventy minute or hour seventy minutes. Do it. This is your chance. Take it. If you don't, you're not becoming a first team member. And that's a lot of pressure on a player, and that can that can kind of take its toll on people. And yes, yeah, it, it, it must be really difficult for them. But it's our, our subs. I think I think they can offer something, but I think it's just the thing that they can offer is not in the situations when we need them. I think I think it's to do with minutes in the legs mostly, because I don't think any of them. Maybe we don't include Hasty in that now because he's not proven anything. But all of the other subs like McKeever. Murray, Turner, they've all proved that 
they've got ability, maybe in fits and starts, to affect games for us. And because there's maybe seven or eight quote-unquote undroppable players in the starting eleven at the moment, they're just not getting enough starts to be match fit and to be as effective as they want to be. Just coming away from the subs, this is a question I'm going to ask both of you, and you can answer this in as much detail or as in one word if you want. If we are not winning a game of football, should we ever take Brian Graham off if he is not injured? No. No. <laughs> I don't think so, no. Brian Graham, one of his qualities is that he's always where he needs to be. He's always sort of in positions to nick goals. I mean, we've seen it in Hamilton when he got the you know the deflection off the post and he was right there waiting for it to, to batter it in. He, he is that archetypal player where, again, he might not he, he might not score amazing goals all the time, but he's just he's there when you need him, and that's the sort of person we need in a game like that. So unless he had a knock and had to come off, I don't see why you bring him off. Bigger clubs than us don't bring off their their main men. Do you see like do you see any other club do that? The Rangers do that with Morelos, the Celtic do it with Farahashi, or do you know what I mean? When you've got your when you've got your main man on there, he stays on. You never know when the moment might strike. It's a no-brainer for me. The the mark of a quality club of a team that can win league titles and stuff like that is that they win games when they're rubbish. This was Celtic for so long. That was that was how they were able to coast the titles is because even when they were bad, they were able to find goals and get wins that realistically they shouldn't be getting. Brian Graham is a player like that. Brian Graham is a player where he can have a stinking game, the team can have a stinking game, but he'll still get a goal, regardless of whether we lose 3-1 or you know 2-1 or a one-each draw. He, he, can, he can get a goal even in games where we're really quite bad. And you need that. Again, it's a mark of a quality team that you have players that do that, and Brian Graham is one of those people. And I think just, again, like in a game like that, it, it sometimes it comes down to people just being in the right place at the right time and just getting that opportunity when another player might necessarily not have, especially when it's him and Rudden, the partnership, where they work so well together and they, they know what each other wants to do so well. Taking one of them off kind of dilutes the other one. So, no, I, I agree. I, I wouldn't be bringing them off unless you absolutely have to. I think you make a great point, David. Mark, I'll bring you back in just two seconds. But, David, the point you made about the, the hallmark of title winning sides is teams who win when they don't play well. I think that's a great point, and I think that's something we've not done yet this season because every time we've won, we've comprehensively beaten the other team. And I think McCall's mentioned it in the last couple of weeks. We need to see a, a grindy, 1-0, scrappy victory. And maybe Capo is the place to get it because you never see we never seem to have free-flowing open games of football there. And I think maybe Kilmarnock, I think, are the only team that's really winning when they're not playing well but even then they're really not playing well often so low averages maybe dictates that they will win a few but um, I think you make a great point there David about we need to start winning games where we're not at our best Mark on you go further to David's point like Brian Graham like even towards the end of that season when we were relegated from the championship like he still got three goals in six games so like even when it was looking bad he was still one and two. Yep, I mean, the, the perfect example of that is the uh, the Arbroath game 
in January 2020. He has first. That was his first goal for us. Was in that game that like attritionally bad. Scott Fox being um, implored to punt it into the sea by fans. Like absolute stinker of a game. And Brian Graham got his first goal for us in that game. And that's a perfect example of that. Even though we lost the game, he still got a goal. And those goals are going to be the things that really, really help us. I think an even more relatable example would be the last game before the shutdown against Dunfermline when we were 1-0 down. And we were sort of on top in that game and he got that late, late, late equaliser, that decisive goal. He's so good at getting important goals. So no, I'm totally with you. I would, Unless it's an injury, we don't know. We obviously can't comment on that. But if, if he's a, a fully or nearly fully fit Brian Graham, no, I wouldn't be taking him off in that sort of situation. And we'll look ahead to the two games that we're going to preview. So first up is Tuesday night, away to Morton at Capolo. David, we've named an unchanged side now in the last couple of games. Are there any changes you'd like to see? I'm going to assume we're going to persist with the 4-4-2 formation for now. So are there any changes you'd like to see? Or do you want to see the same team go at it again? I I, I am inclined to say the same 4-4-2, but I am quite enamoured by your idea of giving Hasty a shot on the right and just starting him, see what he does. Um, as you say, like we never have sexy games of football <laughs> at Cafe Low. Um, us and Morton just seems to be just a very a very sluggish game, and I I feel like it's going to be a lot like the game that we had yesterday. And again, we just I, think, I I'm actually quite excited by it. I think it's going to be quite a a fun game atmosphere wise. I think the Morton fans will be up for it. We'll be up for it. I think it's going to be a good game, you know, atmosphere-wise, but I, I don't know how... Well, the, the quality in the pitch never matches the atmosphere when we play Morton for some reason. So I, I don't think it's going to be some insane, you know, five-star classic of a game. But I, again, well, I think I think we can win it, and we should be winning it um, if we want to have any aspirations to get into the playoffs or even go for a, uh, the league title. So it's, it's definitely, it's a, it's a vital game for us to win. I, I wouldn't be averse to Hasty coming in, but I would probably keep everyone else as as it is. The, the, the changes that you can make are, are going to be superfluous at this point. You, you need to stick with your best 11 and kind of keep on with that and kind of patch things up as, they, as and when they go. But, you know, we did get a point yesterday. We didn't lose and you know, we should have won it, but you know, sometimes it just doesn't happen. And yeah, I'd probably go for the same eleven, but I wouldn't be averse to putting on Hasty instead. Mark, after Tuesday's game, we're at home to Inverness on Saturday, so that's two games in pretty quick succession. What would mark a good points return for you from those two games? Four. I would take four. I would take a point again. I wouldn't mind if we, one of them we need to win. I don't know which one, but four points minimum needed. I don't think we can afford anything less if we're to be in the conversation at the top end of the league. Even Not even necessarily saying going for the league title, but if you want to be... Because you've got to remember, obviously, that uh, second place gets to, be, gets to skip around in the playoffs. So, like, down the line, like you want to be in and, you want to be in and around second place if you're not going to be up at the top. So, if we're going to be up there, right up there, we need to get four points minimum from those two games. I agree. I think I think four points is, is a realistic goal. You spoke about the importance of finishing second there. I don't think anyone who's finished below second since the playoff system 
come into the championship has has gone up. It's been teams that finished second from the championship that have defeated Premiership eleventh uh, place teams. David, um, I'll come back to you for two score predictions this week: one from Capello and one from Furhill on Saturday. Strangely enough, I I don't I I don't think four is enough. Is we we kind of need the six to be honest. I think if we're looking at the we, we talked last week and McCall talked about the first quarter being our worst quarter is what we need to do. Out of the Inverness, Morton, and Dunfermline games in the last quarter, we got six points. So to then get five points out of those three in the second quarter is it's just not it's just not good enough. Like we, we kinda need the two wins, in all honesty. As well as that, we talked about in the quarter we didn't beat any of the teams above us, so like Kelly, Inverness, our broke free rovers, and we were like if we could get one win against one of these teams, that would have really have put, you know, the cat amongst the pigeons and brought us in there and given us far more to work with. I think based on that, if we're looking at what we were seeing in the last couple of weeks, we kind of need the two wins. We need to beat Inverness. We need to beat a team above us and pull them in, especially if we're looking at second place. Because the longer we go on without beating like Kelly or Inverness and letting them just run and keep picking up points and not taking points off them, it's going to be far harder in nine games time when that happens. So in terms of a score prediction, I think it will be 2-1 Thistle against Morton. And then two, two, two ones. Then I'll say two, two ones. Yeah, Mark. Before I come come to you for your predictions, I think you make a good point about the importance of beating Inverness. So if if it is four points for the next two games, I think you would rather beat Inverness just so that they're not, um, or, or we gain on them rather than uh, the points gap remaining as it is. So I think you make a good point there. It's important. I think even more important that we beat Inverness. Mark, what about you? A couple of score predictions, please. Uh, I'm going to go for a 2-0 win at Capolo. And I think it'll be an entertaining 2-2 draw for Hill on Saturday. Uh, it certainly will be entertaining on Saturday, Mark. You're, you're not uh, yes, uh, there, was, there were four goals in the last game. We gifted, we gifted them two of them. So, yeah, I think it'll be entertaining again. I, I, I think that's it's it's an important the field activity on Saturday. Yes, on, <laughs> on the field, I'm sure it'll be a good game too. Um, I was going to say, I think that's one key thing is that that, that last Inverness game, that the real, the, the decisive moment was the, ma- the mistake that Sneddon made, and we were going through a bit of a patch where our, our goalkeeping was a bit ropey, and we had a wee bit of a crisis, which led to said off the pitch antics of Mark and. Um, the unknown um, fan but we've not really had anything like that recently and like Sneddon seems to really have come on and looks a bit more assured and confident about himself and he's kind of got over his wee sticky patch whereby that could be the difference and if we don't make a mistake against Inverness that might be what wins it for us because I don't know if if Sneddon made that mistake against Inverness if he didn't make that mistake I don't know if we'd have lost it to be honest I think at that point it was just, oh, for fuck's sake, and the heads dropped and went on from there. But yeah, it, I think that's good. That's a, a good thing in our favour is that Steden looks a bit more assured and doesn't look like the same keeper he was the last time we played Inverness, even though it was only about what, six games ago. I think that's going to be a really important point that will really help us. 
Uh, that's got huge podcast moments that precede unfortunate events vibes. But no, I do agree with you. I think. The Does defense... it know you who done the, who said, "Oh, we get a goal, Cali's arse will collapse." Absolutely, yeah, it was. And what happened, David? Our arses collapse. Yes, very true. And, and no, and I, I'm fully aware of the fact that I say these things in the pod, and it, it is like a cursed artifact thing, whereby it's put into into the ether for people to listen to and that immediately means that the bad thing's going to happen so um yeah no I'm, I'm fully aware of that so i i think maybe i'll just mute myself for the next <laughs> couple of pods no i think as we've touched on it always seems to be a sort of tight but tight but high tempo game at capital i think with a tight pitch the good atmosphere you know it's never free-flowing football but I can maybe see like a one-one draw, something like that. But then I do think with our improved defence, Touchwood, hopefully the Forest curse doesn't strike again. I think we're going to get our first win against a team above us, and I think we'll beat Inverness. I'll go two 0 on Saturday to beat Inverness, so I'm I'm going to go four points out of the next two, and I think that would be okay with some. I'd I'd say this this quarter of fixtures, the home games we've got are slightly more favourable. You know, we don't need to go to our growth, we don't need to go to Inverness. These are sort of tough championship places to go to and I think with those games at home we can we can make up the difference and maybe as you've said David if we get four points the, the odd point or two we drop here or there against the reverse fixtures here I think we can make up for in, in our home games so I'm going to go for four points I draw at Capolo and a 2-0 win at home to Inverness. We will move on to our Partridge Thistle section and this week I'm going to ask David and Mark Two gentlemen who are with me. If you were a woman, what would you do on your hendo? Feel free to come in, either of you, on that one. I, I think I know what I, I, I would do. I, I did kind of have a wee think about this. Um, I it sounds terrible to say. I, I, I like a drink, right? <laughs> but I, I do quite enjoy trying new drinks. Um, so whatever is like a new pint or whatever I do quite enjoy finding out what it's like I like finding out about different beers and stuff like that but I do enjoy cocktails but I don't know anything about them uh, I just know that you know they are cocktails and they taste quite nice and I'm always up for trying any sort of heinous cocktail as long as it's not like one of those daft ones it's like Venoms and Mad Dog and Buckfast and all that and none of that but I do enjoy a, a cocktail or two so I think I would have one of those afternoon teas with a um, later on, like a cocktail course where you make your own cocktails and stuff like that. Um, you know, have a, have a, a suave bartender. Um, we we actually know a suave cocktail bartender, man. Ali Beatty. Ali, Ali Beatty. Ali Beatty. I've I've been. Sixtieth birthday, and my mum took ten of our friends, or seven or eight of our friends, to Ali Beatty's bar at the time, and they had a cocktail making class. So I I can put you in. Co- well, you know the man. I do well. It, this is I've done the same. Where um, I remember we went to his old his old work. Uh, we went. I he obviously I know him from school, and he knows a lot of my friends from school. And we all went to his bar one time because he was there to speak to him and all that, and just say hello and that. And he he done that for us as well. They were all just making mad cocktails and stuff, and going try this, what's this like, and all that, and using this as the guinea pigs, and it's it's fantastic. So yeah, Ali Beatty doing a cocktail course. That would be my hand doing lo- uh, like Willy Straws all over the shop. It'll be magic, man. <laughs> Superb. Mark Wallace, any advance on cocktail classes? Do you know, I was going to go down the similar route, just that whole co- the whole cocktail thing, like going for, you know, you get the cocktail trees in these places, like something like that. I think I, I think I would be definitely cocktail themed for, for this hen, if you ask me. 
and at night, um, my my plan is is I've all like I went to a stag do um, a couple of years ago in Newcastle, and we ended up in a a club called Pop World, which is just like cheesy nineties pop, and like current day pop music, and I love all that. I know I know I'm a big metalhead, or whatever, but I just love like sort of silly cheesy pop music. And um, no one else wanted to go in apart from me and my pal, so we had to leave and go somewhere else, shite pub. So um, a cocktail classes and then out to Pop World in Toon, um above Masula. Uh, that would be my stag do. Well, that would be my hen do. Sorry. Hen do. Yeah, but a, a lot to ha- as a married man, David, for you to have a hen do, lots would have to happen. But in a way, I hope lots do happen and we can enjoy that day together. Anyway, David, Mark, thank you for joining me. We'll be back on Sunday for a Halloween special, which myself, David and Mark recorded earlier in the month, looking back on 10 scary goals that Thistle have conceded in the past. We'll then be back later that week to look back on our two championship games, which we've spoken about today. Although, as we are attending a stag do ourselves on Saturday, the quality of that episode cannot be guaranteed. But as always, thank you for listening to Draw, Lose or Draw. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter and listen on SoundCloud, Spotify and iTunes. Stay safe and buy a season ticket.